canopy of stars and shimmering red autumn leaves. When the school year started again, I could hear Natalie and James screams from down the hall from their nightmares at nap time. Thomas was expelled from his school after biting another child's finger off during a fight. I never heard what happened to Riley and David. It's episode 10 of season 4. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, David Cummings. We have four tales for you in this episode, featuring stories about perplexing premonitions, vitriolic vengeance, and sinister siblings. Well, we're back. Did you miss us? (laughs) After all, it's been a whole week since our last episode. Yes, this is the first episode in our new weekly release schedule. You might be thinking that since we're now doing weekly releases, the content is going to be less. I mean, only four stories this week? Really? Well, fear not, dear listeners. Our final story of this episode is entitled The Lucienne Twins, and it was the winner of the monthly writing contest back in April. It's over an hour long, so you'll still be getting a full two-hour episode if you're a Season Pass member. Speaking of which, there have been some questions about how things will work with the Season Pass now that we'll be releasing episodes every week. Simply put, nothing is really changing at all. A Season Pass will still get you 25 full-length episodes along with three exclusive bonus episodes. It will still cost only $19.99. But with shows coming out every week, a season will now be around six months long instead of lasting for a full year as in the past. So I hope you'll all be planning to order your Season Pass 5 membership when it starts in January, and then Season Pass 6 next July, and so on and so on. That's how it will work from now on. Two seasons every calendar year but the same amount of content per season. So you're still paying less than 40 cents per hour of content. That's a pretty good deal if you ask me. And with all this talk about our new release schedule and our recent Parsec Award win and the like, 
I would be remiss if I didn't send out my huge thanks to all of our fans who have taken the time to send their support and encouragement to me and the team. There has been an explosion of new likes on Facebook and our posts there are getting great feedback and comments. Our Twitter followers are going up and up with people saying nice things about us there. The personal emails to me, the great reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, (laughs) I tell you, I'm really feeling the love, and I can't thank you all enough for doing that for us. Obviously, I don't have the time to respond to everyone individually, but please know how much it means to all of us here at the podcast. Thank you so much for being such supportive listeners. Now, let's talk about this week's show. We have a new narrator joining us. Danielle McRae brings her considerable voice acting experience to the show. She's a veteran of video game voice acting, and she can be heard on such games as Wing Commander, World of Warcraft, and League of Legends. We welcome Danielle to the show, and make sure you check out the show notes to learn more about Danielle's impressive list of credits. Okay, enough of my talking. It's time to get started on this week's show. In our first tale, we meet a man who loves his coffee. But it's where he gets his coffee that ends up changing his life forever. As author Tierney Ashton Campbell writes, this man notices another patron of the coffee shop receiving a package, and that begins a strange bond between the two men. Narrators David Alt, Brian Manzi, and L. Bentley read the tale for us, as the strange events unfold after he witnesses the delivery of the divorce papers. I had kicked my coffee habit weeks before. It had been a ritual with co-workers, a way to socialise and an excuse to get out of the office for a few minutes. The jokes about needing a fix were always met with understanding laughs, and it felt strangely comforting to be in a socially accepted club of addicts at 10am on a Tuesday. Then my company was restructured, and I was replaced by some fucking 21-year-old intern a junior at the local university. For a while, I'd sit and nurse a coffee at my old joint while I surfed the net for jobs and wrote cover letters. But every sip felt bitter and desperate. You don't deserve to drink a $5 latte when you're unemployed. I had just hand-delivered a resume at a local publishing company. I managed to catch one of the hiring managers, and what resulted was essentially a pre-interview. He seemed impressed by my experience, and promised to call me later that day to get a formal meeting on the books. I was elated. I actually fist-pumped into the air as I exited the revolving door. As I made my way to my bus stop, I noticed my old coffee joint to block up. Fuck yeah, I thought. It's too early for a beer. I'm going to celebrate with an Americano. The line was about eight people deep, and I realized how long that feels when you don't have co-workers to chat with while you wait. I started gazing around, observing the other patrons who were mostly hunched behind laptops, their charging cords snaked around the overstuffed chairs to the few outlets available. 
I noticed one man in particular. Even from a distance, I could see the frosted, swollen eyes of someone who hadn't cried tears that were brimming at the surface. Seeing him brought down my mood. I looked away and admired the barista, with a beautiful and intricate updo. Total overkill for a minimum wage coffee gig. I figured her for an aspiring actress. There were only two people left in front of me when I overheard someone say, Greg. I looked over to see a disheveled-looking hipster addressing the forlorn fellow I had noticed earlier. Yeah, Greg. Greg Bannister. You are? I'm a courier, sir. These are your divorce papers. He was gone in an instant. Suddenly, the line in front of me had disappeared. I shuffled in front of the barista to place my order, a little distracted. I must have kept glancing over at Greg, because as she handed me my change, she said quietly, It's really sad. He used to come in here with his wife nearly every day and read the paper together. Suddenly he started coming in alone. I guess now I know why. She must have overheard as well. It was a small coffee shop after all. As I waited for my tall Americano, I found I couldn't avert my gaze from Greg. Something about him. His eyes caught mine and instantly widened in recognition, then narrowed in confusion. Tall Americano with room? Have a great day. I grabbed my coffee and saw Greg cautiously waving me towards him. I walked towards him with similar caution. I felt every follicle on my body stand up. A terse laugh of disbelief accompanied his slowly shaking head. <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, but I had a dream about you last night. Do I know you from anywhere? I suddenly understood the cliché of getting a chill up your spine. I could feel it travel all the way to my scalp. I don't think so. He shook his head as if to jumble something beyond recognition. He paused and stuttered for a second, still shaking his head. Maybe I'm crazy, but you should avoid crossing Everett Street a second. I don't really remember walking away. I'm certain I seemed quite rude. As I approached Everett and Third, I started walking more slowly. My bus stop was at Everett and Second on the opposite side. Superstition got the best of me, and I turned around to cross at Third. I noticed a sharply dressed young man, couldn't have been older than 21, step into the intersection at Second, talking on his cell phone. I continued to look at him as I stepped off the curb at Third. Much like I had been with Greg, I was mesmerized by him. And that's when I heard the screeching tires. The bus was skidding sideways through the intersection when its back tire made contact. After a flash of shiny, sickly, beautiful scarlet ribbons splashing through the air, a severed arm lay on the pavement as people began shrieking. That would have been me, if it weren't for Greg. I spent the next two weeks having horrifically vivid dreams about what happened that day. I understood the look in Greg's eyes when he warned me of his prophetic vision. He had seen what I had that day. I slept maybe two hours a night, and only when I was exhausted to the point of delusion. 
I couldn't bear to keep seeing the carnage over and over, knowing that if I hadn't stopped for that coffee, it would be my body splattered across the intersection. Finally, one night, I drifted off and dreamed of something else. I dreamed of Greg. I saw him vividly in a cold, white and sterile clinical setting. He was in a hospital gown and had the same look of tempered anguish that drew my eye to him that fateful day in the coffee shop. There was a voice speaking to Greg, but I couldn't see where it was coming from. I could only see Greg. Stage 3 colon cancer. Terminal. Hopefully a couple months. Greg's eyes brimmed over with tears, and I awoke. The next morning, I knew I had to find Greg. He had saved my life, and clearly I now had an obligation to save his. I never believed in any voodoo mystic bullshit, but something told me that Greg and I had some weird cosmic connection. I owed him my life. I walked into the coffee shop where I had first encountered him, and my eyes flew directly to him, in the same overstuffed chair he had been sitting in the last time I'd seen him. He caught my gaze as I approached him, and his eyes widened in recognition and shock once again. His mouth gaped open as if to speak, but he was silent. Greg, go to the doctor as soon as possible. I think you may have colon cancer. I noticed a couple of other patrons turn and look in our direction. Perhaps I should have been more discreet. He peered at me through narrow eyes, folded his newspaper without breaking my gaze, and stood up to leave. He walked slowly to the door with his head bowed, as if walking a plank. Did I just save his life, or deliver his death sentence? I wasn't sure I'd ever see Greg again. Several weeks passed, and the dreams stopped. I no longer dreamed of Greg, or the sharply dressed gentleman crossing Everett and Second. My life started to get back to normal. I even landed the publishing gig at a higher salary than the job I was laid off from. I had plenty of productive distractions, and my strange connection with Greg continued to dim. One night, after a prolonged Friday night happy hour with my new co-workers, I had another vivid dream. This time, however, it wasn't Greg or the man in the intersection. It was a woman, perhaps in her early fifties, dressed impeccably. She didn't have a hair out of place, and her makeup looked soft and welcoming. I could tell she had been beautiful and was aging well, although I could see every fold and crease in her skin. I notice a wall of white coffee mugs behind her, all arranged with their handles perfectly aligned. She turns to me and smiles cautiously, until suddenly her eyes narrow and she shakes her head quickly in urgent disbelief. Suddenly, much like the sharply dressed gentleman in the intersection, she is reduced to a splash of scarlet as shrieks fill the air. I had this dream several times, and it was cutting my sleep back to a couple of hours a night, much like after witnessing the bus accident. I just couldn't bear to fall asleep, only to see her beautiful face reduced to a pulp over and over again. I needed coffee more than ever to get through my day. I should have known better by then. I should have found a new coffee shop, 
But old habits die hard, and I found myself wandering into the same old shop at about 9.30 that Tuesday morning. The same cute barista was working, her hair in a perfect bun. She smiled and welcomed me, and I took my place in line behind a half dozen people. As they seemingly tend to do, my eyes locked on Greg's gaze. This time they widened with recognition, pleasant surprise. I vacated my place in line as he waved me over. Stage one. Came out of surgery just fine. Cancer free. Doc said we caught it just in time. I'm sure I said something, but I don't recall what. All I remember is Greg's eyes widening again with recognition, looking over my shoulder. They narrowed, never looking at me but fixated on something or someone behind me as he said, You should get out of here, kid. Trust me. I had learned to trust Greg's premonitions. That same chill rushed up my spine through my scalp, and all my follicles stood on end as I turned to leave. That's when I saw her. I caught her gaze. Ma'am! Ma'am! I shouted. Her face opened up into what had become a familiar and welcoming smile. Impeccably dressed, not a hair out of place. My ears throbbed when the shots rang out. When I looked up, sickly beautiful ribbons of scarlet were slowly dripping down the perfectly arranged display of white coffee mugs as the shrieks filled the air. My head seemed to spin on its axis until I saw Greg, his eyes wide with recognition and pleasant satisfaction. He looked forward, unblinking. No. I won't sign the divorce papers. When a young couple moves into a new home in the country, their life seems to be idyllic. But as we learn from the woman's sister, Susan Lester, a series of voicemail exchanges between the couple reveals a strange set of events that the woman endures while her soldier husband is away. Narrators Jessica McAvoy, Alexis Bristow, and myself will read the tale for you as we learn about what happened in that house and on the odd little hill on their property, a hill they nicknamed Lumpy. The following is a voicemail conversation between my younger sister and her boyfriend after moving into a home they rented years ago. I would normally never share such private information, but their experiences disturbed me so much that I needed to share this with somebody. The story eats away at me and turns my stomach. I just want to get it out of my head. I was tempted to bring this to a local news station, but 
did not think my family would appreciate the unwanted attention. I have considered going to the police, but cannot imagine anyone taking this situation seriously. I'm sitting here now looking at a photo Mary took of the house after they finished moving in. Behind her is the field and a hill they jokingly referred to as Lumpy. September 9th, 2009, 2.36 p.m. Hiya. I know you're probably busy, but I just want to say I miss you. (laughs) It seems silly to miss you now that we live together. I think I just get sentimental when I know you're leaving again soon. I'll just keep telling myself it's only for a few months this time, but still, boo. Can't believe we're all moved in already. So pumped to start decorating. All in pink, of course. (laughs) Also, I'm reminding you now to call Mr. Creepy-Ass Landlord back, because I am not talking to that guy again. He left a message about something to do with your banking info. Anyway, I should get back to work. Talk to you soon. Kisses. September 9th, 4.02 p.m. Hey, you. I just spoke to the landlord. Delightfully charming. (laughs) Creepy, as always. I just had to make sure he had all 12 post-dated checks, since apparently he's leaving for vacation this week and didn't want there to be any mishaps with the rent. I really can't picture that guy on a beach kicking back with a drink. (laughs) Now look, I know it sucks that I have to leave you in our new home, but that's the price you pay when you bag yourself a sexy soldier, sweetie. (laughs) Well, at least it's not long this time. What do you want me to bring home for supper? I'm heading out early today to get home and pack. Feel like Dirty Bird? September 9th, 6.10pm. Hey, sorry, just got your message now. You probably already left. I had to stay late to finish up for the project. Yeah, KFC is fine, since you made it sound so appealing. (laughs) See ya. September 14th, 1.36pm. Hi. You're gone, and I miss you, as always. I can't wait to see you again already, you big dummy. I hope the trip in went better than the last one. Message me as soon as you get settled. It's beautiful here tonight, by the way. I saw two deer out in the field out by Mount Lumpy. So peaceful. So happy we moved out to the country, and I'm really glad we got in at least one weekend together before you left. Thinking of you. September 15th, 3.40 a.m. Hi, hun. It's late and you're sleeping. I got in around 2 a.m. The trip in was fine and we start work right away, so I won't be able to talk much. But the good news is, if we finish ahead of schedule, I can come back earlier. Oh, I love you. Go feed the deer for me, okay? I'll call you as soon as I can. Oh, yeah, and and most importantly, try not to think about ghosts when you're in the big, empty house all by yourself in the woods at night. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) September 15th, 8.06 (laughs) a.m. Thanks a lot, you jerk. I totally have to sleep with the lights on tonight because of you. I swear, I never realized how loud pipes can creak in a house. Sounds like somebody walking around. 
hope all's going well, you super stud you. My family was over today and we had a barbecue. Wasn't the same without you, though. I really miss you a lot this time. I'm sure it's just because we started living together, and I feel the loneliness more since I had a taste of cohabitation. Just feeling kind of blue now that everyone left. No dear tonight. Love you. September 17th, 5.42 p.m. Hey again. I went for a walk around the field in between the hill and the tree line of the woods today. Just had to tell you it's amazing out there and we totally are going to have a romantic picnic once you're back. Call me soon, please. September 20th, 10.22 p.m. Hmm, are you around, babe? I'm online now and I don't see you. Finally got some downtime, so I'm going to call again soon. September 20th, 11.58 p.m. Yay! I loved hearing your voice tonight, even if it was only briefly. You sound tired. Hope you're getting enough rest. There were so many deer out in the field tonight. They all gather around the base of Lumpy and Graze for hours. Call me again when you can. Thinking of you. Oh, by the way, do you have that landlord's number? I really am starting to think something's up with the plumbing here. It was super loud last night and I almost couldn't sleep from all the creaking. That's just what we need. Broken house while the landlord's away. September 24th, 8.15 p.m. Ugh, it's been days since I heard from you. Feeling lonely. I really hate sleeping here by myself at night. I think I'll get my sister to come over this weekend and stay with me if she's not away on work. Love ya. September 25th, 7.09 p.m. Hi, hun. Sorry for the delay. You know how it is with these things. Hey, look, I I'm sorry to hear you're lonely and scared. I hope you're not taking what I said seriously. There is no such thing as ghosts. <laughs> Anyways, did you hear from your sister about her coming down this weekend? I can call you again tonight. I, I don't know where the landlord's number is. I, I thought I left it on the fridge... I don't know, maybe not. Either way, we'll figure it out. I love you. September 30th, 9.29am. Hi. Sorry for being so clingy. I don't know why this round's been so hard on me. You'd think I'd be used to it by now. Maybe it's moving further away from my family and friends or something. I must be losing my mind. I did not sleep at all last night. I swear, I don't believe in ghosts. Just something freaky kind of happened. I went to go downstairs to check out the creaking, and I heard something thumping outside, right by the big kitchen windows. I wasn't going to look, but the thumping got louder, and then I heard this huge crash. I freaked out and started screaming. I almost called 911, but then I grabbed the big hockey stick and just peeked out the window, and you won't believe what was there. A deer. It was just staring at me through the window. It wasn't even freaked out that I was just standing there under the kitchen lights looking at it. Then it fucking charged the side of the house. Head first, right into the brick wall, and just stood there staring at me. I swear I'm not making this up, Bob. I promise you. I don't know what to do. I just sat in the kitchen with the TV on full volume and blasting music in the living room and 
crying and shaking. I couldn't get a hold of anyone, and it was like 4 a.m., so I didn't bother trying again. Do deer normally do this? Did I piss it off? I might just be overreacting. The last thing I want to do is worry you while you're over there. Please, please call me soon. I don't know how I'm going to sleep here tonight. I might go stay with my mom. October 4th, 5.33 a.m. Mary, are you okay? I only just got back to the base and heard your message. You got me really worried, babe. I can't believe that happened. If it happens again, I want you to call the police or call animal services and they'll come and take care of it. What most likely happened was the deer was rabid and was just acting crazy. Look, I know that sounds scary, but it can happen with wildlife. It wasn't trying to hurt you. It was just sick, okay? I'm going to try and call your mom to see if you're there. October 4th, 9.01 p.m. Hey, so I'm back at the house now. I ended up staying the whole weekend with my mom. I even stayed in my old bedroom. It was weird. I felt like a little kid. <laughs> Especially after I got so scared of a damn deer. Still feeling a bit shaken up for some reason. Just seems strange to be back here. My mom offered to stay and I said it was alright. I mean, I'm going to have to get used to being here on my own anyways. On the plus side, the pipes seem to be much quieter than before, so maybe that fixed itself. Hope to talk to you tonight. I'll be online all night, I'm sure. So glad work has been slow so nobody's noticed I'm sleep deprived. Love you. October 9th, 10.17pm. Hey, how's my brave lady doing? Things have been really hectic over here. I can't go into detail over the phone, of course. I hope you're doing okay and no more problems. I got the card you sent me for my birthday. <laughs> it was very beautiful and made me feel great. Plus, all the guys are jealous of what a beautiful girlfriend I have. <laughs> hey, just send me an email whenever you're lonely or nervous and know that I'll get it soon. Write as many as you like. I love seeing that I have loads of messages waiting from my girl. I love you. October 9th, 11.12 p.m. Hey, you. Things have been going pretty smooth here for the most part. I've been calling a lot of friends, and my family's been really great about everything. I think my sister will be down tomorrow night, so yay! Hope the guys gave you a little birthday celebration. I hate that we have to be apart, but I'm proud of what you're doing. I love you so much. Talk to you soon. October 10th, 1.28 a.m. Hey, I'm just calling you again because I'm alone at night and feeling a bit creeped out. I saw some deer over on Lumpy earlier. Never saw them on top of the hill before. Still kind of creeps me out to look at them after what happened. Sue's coming down tomorrow, so I'm going to try and clean up so I don't look like a complete slob. You know she's kind of old-fashioned, and I don't want her to give me crap for leaving a pizza box out or something. The pipe started up again, and I can't get a hold of the landlord after I finally found his number. Did he say how long he was going to be gone for? 
Also, there was a lightning storm here, and while I was at work, I guess lightning struck that one really skinny tree in the woods, and it's all crooked and creepy looking now. Awesome. <laughs> October 10th, 2.40 p.m. Ah, uh, you're never near the phone when I call. <laughs> Get by the phone, you! Oh yeah, you really have to stop calling that hill Lumpy. <laughs> it sounds like something you'd name a deformed, conjoined twin or something. <laughs> no wonder you're scared all the time. October 11th, 7.51 p.m. Sue left just an hour ago, and I'm feeling especially lonely. I just wanted to call and share my cruddy feelings with you while you deal with real-world issues. <laughs> well, I just get so down sometimes. I cried right after she pulled out of the driveway, and I feel like crying again. I'm sure it's just a bad day, and tomorrow will be better. Also, I guess that huge tree finally fell down, because I don't see it anymore. Love ya. October 12th, 1.48 a.m. Hey, it's me again. It's 1.30 in the morning, and I don't think I'll be sleeping anytime soon. I don't want to worry you, but this evening I saw another deer circling the backyard right by the living room windows. I think it was a buck. It was huge and scuffing his hoof like they do when they're about to charge, so I called animal control. They said they would come check it out tomorrow morning unless I felt like I was in danger. The buck galloped away while I was on the phone, so I just told them to come down tomorrow. Do I smell like deer food or something? Seriously, though, I'm really getting fucking freaked out by this. October 22nd, 2.30 p.m. I hate this. I haven't heard your voice in ten days and no emails. October 30th, 12.04 a.m. Oh my god, I cannot handle this. Bob, there were more deer. Three of them tonight, in the front yard this time. They were staring at me the whole time and following where I moved in the house. Like they could hear me and see through the walls. I am hysterical. Every time I call damn animal control, they show up and the deer are gone. There's nothing they can do. I might have to stay at mom's again, but I need to be down here for work. I am losing it. The house is so loud, and on top of all this, the pipe burst in the basement. I guess that's what all the creaking was. I'm getting my stepdad down tomorrow to fix it. Still can't get a hold of that fucking landlord. Please call soon. I'm trying to be strong, but I feel really weak. I can't stop freaking out. I haven't slept in over 24 hours. November 1st. 11.39 p.m. I know we just talked an hour ago, but I'm miserable here. I hate to say this because we just moved, but I think we need to leave. I hate that I'm dumping this on you now when you're over there, but it's too much for me to be here on my own. I can't have our lives be like this in this fucking place. November 12th. 4.09 p.m. Bob, please don't tell anyone, but I saw something today. Maybe I'm just going fucking crazy, but I swear to God I saw a man. It was like a man-shaped blob, 
it was all black, and it looked like it just sort of walked out of the woods and then walked back in really slowly, almost like it was rolling. I could feel it looking at me. I can't... I can't do this! I'm crying so much right now. I called the cops, and they came down and checked everything out. They had a group of guys go search the woods, and they found nothing. Please tell me I'm just sleep-deprived. <sighs> Calling my mom tomorrow after I camp out in the living room again. Call me, please. November 16th, 7.20 p.m. I saw him again, and this time on top of the hill. I need you home. I haven't told anyone except you about the man. He's so dark, like there's no light even around him. Like a clump. I know I sound crazy, but I don't care anymore. I tried to take a picture of him, but it didn't turn out. November 16th, 9.10 p.m. Mary, I'm really worried about you. Why are you still there? Please do as I told you and get out of there. Sue is on her way down to pick you up. November 17th, 11.55 p.m. Can't stop looking at the tree line. I just started walking towards it tonight, and I don't even know why. It's the hill. I didn't even know I was walking towards it until I stopped myself. He saw that just now. November 20th, 3.54 a.m. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. November 21st. 7.01 a.m. Babe, you really need to be staying with your folks right now. I'm sorry I can't be there for you while you're dealing with this, but like I told you, I don't want you out there by yourself. Please go stay with your family. Look, I love you, and I'm calling tonight at your mom's house because I know you'll be there. November 23rd, 1.51 a.m. On the hill now. I just had to be here. November 28th, 10.35 p.m. Where are you? I can't get a hold of you on any of the numbers, and your family said you're not returning their calls. Do I need to call the police, babe? Please answer me, or at least call someone. November 30th, 3.01 a.m. I can feel those trees around me, and I know he's coming up, and I hear him. It was in the trees. November 30th, 
3.08 a.m. Those clouds are everywhere, Bob. I can hear it. I wish you could see it. I see him everywhere now. And I know it's exactly like the other ones. December 1st, 5.17 a.m. I can't sleep inside, but that's okay now. The deer keep me up at night. All of them at the walls. It shakes the house. One of them died headfirst at the wall. His whole head caved in. It was gone when I woke up, but the blood was down there. December 2nd, 1.34 a.m. your fucking oily pig hand foots to get inside your fucking eyes you scum dirty little blood vessel fingers there was nothing for you stretching nails claw outline the grass it would break your fucking dirty legs and bloodshot December 2nd 3.33 a.m. Keep it out of here December 2nd 3.36 a.m. Don't! December 4th, 5.51 a.m. Mary, your messages are freaking me the fuck out. I called your mom and she hasn't heard from you and you won't return her calls. Sue is freaking out and heading down there now and you know she hates driving at night. Just message or call your family and get the fuck out of there now. December 4th, 6.09 a.m. Oh, fuck it, I'm calling the police. Mary was taken into police custody after she was found wandering through the woods behind their house. Naked and covered in blood. She had gnawed off and eaten one of her own fingers. When the doctors pumped her stomach, they found clumps of hair and fur in her system. We begged them not to get the press involved or put this information in any newspapers. They kept her locked in a psychiatric ward up until just last year. I have nightmares about her mangled hands every time I close my eyes. I can't make it stop. It feels like she's been gone for so long now. It's hard to believe that this has happened to us. My family and I are absolutely heartbroken. None of us have been to the house, not even to move out the furniture or other items that were left behind. We have no idea what happened to that property. The landlord has never contacted Mary and Bob, even though they left partway through the year-long lease and canceled all their post-dated checks. My sister lives at home with our mother now. She also requires a home care worker to be present nearly 24 hours of the day since she can no longer take care of herself and displays bizarre and terrifying behavior. She rarely sleeps and will not speak a word to anyone.
Our episode has come to an end. Thank you for spending time with us at the No Sleep Podcast. If you would like to learn how you can hear the full-length version of this episode, featuring many more stories, please visit thenosleeppodcast.com and click on the Season Pass link. Purchasing a Season Pass will help support everyone who contributes to the podcast, and in return you'll get 25 full-length episodes and three exclusive bonus episodes, all for only $19.99. This is David Cummings. Thank you for listening, and join us again for the next episode of the No Sleep Podcast. Podcast.